that. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. What's up, people? Thank you for joining me for this latest edition of Morton's Law here on this May 2nd, 2021. I am recording here in the evening, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, please also follow me on Twitter at Morton's underscore law and, of course, the YouTube channel, Morton's Law Podcast. A lot to get into today. going to talk about what's going on in the news. Also have some, um, well, a quick take on the NFL Draft from my perspective as a Chicago Bear fan. Of course, later on, we'll also do some AEW NXT reviews and just my take on certain wrestlers and how they're being used. And uh, I guess we can get right into it. So I was going to start with something completely different. And then in the last half hour, I get a news alert from the New York Post stating the following, that there is actually... A Cuomo-sexual Facebook support group. Yes, you heard that correctly. It is called Women for Governor Cuomo. Now, it's mostly comprised of old, desperate bags over the age of 55. Listen to this. They're actually urging members to confront the alleged victims. What is wrong with this world? Is this really happening? Are you kidding me? Women doing this to other women. Listen to this. It gets better. One woman had the audacity, the audacity to say the way he kisses women on the cheek is a normal Italian greeting and there's nothing wrong with it. Listen, I hate to say the following, but it really is true. It's just, this is a prime example of how much women hate other women. They really don't stick together. So I ask you, why should anyone respect them? And, and by the way, I apologize to those women who are outraged by this Facebook group, along with the alleged victims. This, this is awful. But hearing this, it infuriates me. Because first we had to deal with women who actually voted for Agent Orange for four years, and then again, the 70 million who just voted for him even though he lost. And now, too many. I think one is too many. Until, again, we know the full details. Anybody can accuse. I get that. I understand that. Until there is evidence that comes forth, he's still innocent. Yes, I, there's a fine line there. But I just feel like way too many people are coming out, women, in this group particularly. I mean, again, don't forget it's called, if you want to go check this out, Women for Governor Cuomo on Facebook. And apparently they're flooding the hotlines in his defense. I'm, I'm stunned. I'm stunned to say the least. I mean, the man, let's be fair. This, we've heard this man. I've talked about it on the show. I may be repeating myself. It is what it is. He's a narcissist. He's clearly a narcissist. He loves the attention. He loves to hear himself talk. There's no way around that. No one can dismiss that, deny it, whatever. And I believe, and I, I, this is just me on how he acts, being another man, I firmly believe there's no doubt he's done inappropriate things around women. Now, I don't want to say he's done everything that has been alleged. I, I don't know. I just don't know. But I know, I have a feeling he has done certain things that, has, that have been alleged. And I can see, you can really see this, right? 
him sending women messages like those instant messenger stuff on Facebook and just saying the following to them. Ladies, I appreciate the support. Hopefully, one day, we can all get together for a nice Italian dinner. I was thinking my balls, I mean meatballs and spaghetti, or we could have some raviolis with marinara sauce. Perhaps you would like a side of sausage. So, yeah, um, I'm sick by a lot of this, but I have to move along. I've seen a movie recently. Now, I know I haven't done a show in two weeks. I was a guest, by the way, on the Work Shoot Wrestling podcast. If you haven't checked that episode out, you can do so on their platforms. So please check that out. I talked about a lot of wrestling on that show, so I took a little bit of a break here. But I watched a movie within the last three weeks called The Greasy Strangler. And this movie is a must-see. I, I don't even know how to tell you about it. It is the funniest movie on top of being a horror movie that I think I've ever encountered. And you have to see this movie. It involves a man and his son. And I can't express to you enough how brilliant the writing is in this movie. And Elijah Wood, who you know as an actor, is a producer on this film, just to put it in perspective. And he loved the script. He talked about it in an interview. So please watch this movie. Just see the trailer. You'll be blown away. I mean, it's it's extremely inappropriate. The language is <laughs> out of control. And the scenes are ridiculous. And like I said, it's barely a horror movie. Okay? Yes, there are murder scenes, but they're laughable. They're not scary. And this character who plays the Greasy Strangler might be the greatest character in movie history. It is that funny. Moving along, we had the presidential address this past week. I guess it wasn't officially State of the Union. He just addressed Congress. But um, the biggest thing for me coming out of it was the fact that student loans really were not discussed. Now, I know he's done a, a good job in terms of forgiving those that had illegitimate loans and there was fraudulent loans by other companies. But it has been discussed, and he talked about it as one of his, his focus parts points in terms of the first 100 days. And aside from us now waiting until September with having no interest, which is great. I love the fact I'm not paying interest on my loan. Which, by the way, I've said on this show that if they didn't forgive all the money on the loans, at least just stop the interest. The interest is ridiculous. It's so high. Cut it in half at least. Do something. No one should be paying 7% interest on loans. And my loan is 20 years old. I know the newer rates are lower, but it's absurd what people are asked to pay if he doesn't forgive the entire loan. It's been discussed of 10000 50000 I'll be happy with ten, but something has to happen with this. I won't get into the whole presidential speech, but the other thing that came out of that, and there's been a lot of discussion if you own stock and you have a 401k or a Roth IRA this whole discussion, which I'm still learning about, so pardon me if I have any mistakes here, but I'm learning about capital gains, just in terms of owning a stock and when you sell it or when you become, when you retire and you cash out, technically. And the thing is, right now, we just, we right now I believe it's at 20%, and they want to jack it up to 40%. But the biggest thing is, this doesn't affect you unless you make a certain amount of money. 
It's just like the, the taxing the wealthy in general. You have to make $400,000 or more. And I believe only millionaires will be taxed highly on those who are going to cash out on the aforementioned ways in retirement. But ultimately, it doesn't affect the regular person. You can still have your 401k, your Roth, and you're, gonna, you're not going to take the same hit. A lot of people are in panic mode for no reason. I hope I conveyed that the way I read it. <laughs> I hope that makes sense to anybody. All right. So, last but not least, I uh, so listen to this. I walk into a liquor store recently. Now, in New York City, plastic bags are no longer used. And sometimes people use their own bags. So I asked the guy if they have bags, because I didn't have a bag, and I wanted to buy a bottle of wine. Now, this very nice, I'm guessing, Pakistani gentleman, he looked at me, after I asked this, like I had three heads and giant cocks in each mouth. I was like, what? So I said it a second time. Do you have bags? Nothing. No reply. After a third time, the guy at the other register answered yes. Paper bags. Was that so hard? I said thank you, and I went to get my bottle of wine. I couldn't believe the following. I, bulk, I go back to the guy who had an empty register... Who couldn't answer my question. As I'm paying. He asked me if I wanted a bag. <laughs> I, t- I took a deep breath. And politely said yes. I really wanted to say yes. Give me two bags. One for the bottle. And one so I can suffocate myself. This way I'm no longer subjected to people like you. On this planet. Coming up next. We got a quick take on NFL Draft. AEW, NXT and much much more. Morton's Law, coming back after this. Welcome back to Morton's Law. I'm your host, Christopher Morton. Thank you again for joining me on this uh, edition. Please, again, listen, I I don't ask a lot, but please help support the show. By any ways, whether it's retweeting, just getting the message out there. Of course, there is the option on multiple platforms to donate. I do put a lot of work into this, a lot of research. Any kind of help would be greatly appreciated. So, the NFL Draft. I'm a Bears fan. You know it if you listen. And the Bears, look, a lot of speculation in terms of Andy Dalton being the starting quarterback. Most people felt, despite Ryan Pace telling us, along with Nagy, that he would be the starting quarterback, that the Bears would find a way to not let that happen. Because not many people feel you can win with Andy Dalton long term. So, here comes the draft. And, of course... A lot of people said, well, will the Bears move up because Mac Jones was there? People talk about Justin Fields and all the other guys that are available. And all of a sudden, as the draft is going on, I hear the trade. And the Bears send a bunch of picks to the Giants. And they move up and they drafted Justin Fields. And before they announced Justin Fields, I was so excited. I was beyond giddy, if you will. Just wanting to believe that I had faith in this general manager to take Mac Jones. Now, a lot of people out there are going to debate that and say, oh, well, you need the guy that can run out of the pocket, the guy that can create plays, keep the plays alive when the pocket breaks down, all those other things. Let me ask you this. If you have a good offensive line, why is the pocket breaking down? A guy named Tom Brady, I don't know how many times he has to escape the pocket. There's a few other quarterbacks in the league that don't have to run and they stay in the pocket. I just want the most accurate passer 
And in my opinion, Mac Jones is that guy. And to make matters worse, well, not for me, because I don't play in the AFC East, but good luck to those in that division who now have to play Mac Jones twice a year with Bill Belichick and, and McDaniels coaching this kid. Good luck with that. For all those Bills and Dolphins fans who thought, yeah, this is going to be easy going for our Patriots in the rearview mirror. We'll compete for this division. Bye, Patriots. Ha <laughs> ha. Look at all the offseason moves the Patriots have made in conjunction with this draft pick. But as a Bears fan, I'm sick. And this is not taking anything. Listen, all right, maybe it is. I've seen Justin Fields play. There's no doubt he puts up tremendous numbers. There have been a few games that I watched this past season, especially against Indiana, and I believe it was Northwestern, where he had some horrible picks, which were alarming to me. I went, why did he throw that ball? How did he not see the linebacker? How did he not see the cornerback? Just now, again, every quarterback throws picks. I get that. But I just fear coming out of that program, and I know people are going to scream at me for comparing him to Haskins. But I know they're different quarterbacks. I know Fields runs. Haskins was more of a a pro-style quarterback. But it's all about the accuracy when you throw the ball. I don't care if you're in the pocket or out of the pocket. How are you getting the ball to your receivers without throwing it to the other team, right? Simple goal. And people say, oh, well, Mac Jones was, was part of the system at Alabama. That's why he had great success. Look at all the pros drafted. Six pros in the first round, including Alex Leatherwood, which which it was a shock to most, especially Mel Kuyper, the fact that he was supposed to be a late second round, if not worse. And these are the people that protect Mac Jones. And I'm not going to deny and say, he had, of course, he had all the time in the world, but so do all the quarterbacks that have a good offensive line, like the Colts. Think about it. Andrew Luck retired and the Colts got the best line in football. How ironic is that? But I just don't believe in Justin Fields the way I do in Mac Jones. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong. I hope Justin Fields takes the Bears beyond possible, I mean, to the playoffs, Super Bowl, you name it. I just hope anything of that can happen. But I'm disappointed. Disappointed. So I'll move on with that. Let's get to AEW. So the show kicks off with a highly anticipated match. We got the FTW champion, Brian Cage, taking on Hangman Adam Page. Both on a winning streak. Hangman Page, I believe, was the number one ranked wrestler in AEW at the start of this match. Now, I was a guest last week, as I mentioned earlier, on the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. I brought up Adam Page and how they would build him going forward. I even referenced the AEW title, excuse me, the FTW title. Now, we're talking about just, let's say, okay, if you follow the world of wrestling and the the history of wrestling, there was a moment in the history of ECW where Shane Douglas won the NWA title. He threw it down and said, I don't care about this title, and then he called the new title the Extreme Championship Wrestling Heavyweight title. My idea was being Taz is there, and it's the FTW title. Why not? Let's repeat history. Adam Page beats Brian Cage, takes the belt, throws it in the garbage, and says the following. The only title that matters is yours, Omega, and I'm coming for it. How epic would that have been? Especially doing it in front of Taz. That was just my take. But 
guess what? This was a non-title match. Now, to be fair, AEW has been better lately regarding wins and losses in terms of earning a title shot. Especially with the angle with Britt Baker. I love what they did there. That was perfectly done. However, you're telling me Hangman Adam Page doesn't deserve an FTW title shot? So what's the point of the title? It doesn't make any sense. What are they doing? What, does he ever defend this title? Oh, excuse me, on Dark, right, on Dark. That how many people are watching compared to the, the, the TNT show that you want to get every title to matter? That's why I said throw it in the garbage. It doesn't matter. So before the match starts, Team Taz jumps Paige. They attack him. Anything before the bell is apparently legal. There's no, <laughs> there's no repercussions for attacking anybody before a bell. He still has to start the match. So aside from one flurry, Cage absolutely dominated this match and beat him flat one, two, three. Now you can sell me on the pre-match attack, but guess what? I'm not buying it. This was absolutely stupid and killed Adam Page. It killed him. I don't understand what you're doing here. You can't beat him clean. Now, unless, look, the only way it makes sense if they beat him clean, unless they're going to do something more with Cage. Because once you beat a guy, it has to mean something. Is Brian Cage now going to be elevated to the next level? Is he going to beat Darby Allen? Is he going to be the TNT and FTW champion? Or perhaps this becomes a long feud. Perhaps Paige loses the first and then wins the next. I don't know. Regardless what happens, I hated this finish. Because even though Brian Cage is the FTW champion, he hasn't been booked to make anybody care. So therefore, I thought this was an Adam Page victory coming. Now, again, you can say this. Well, it wasn't predictable. And you always yell about every finish being predictable. And that's fair. That is fair. It wasn't predictable. But you can't beat Paige this way. Ugh. So, I don't know what segment this was, but... Don Callis is in the limousine. And there's a bunch of guys in the limousine. Enters the cameraman. Callis actually says, There's nothing better than having six guys in a limo. I went, What? <laughs> that... You want six guys together in a limo? <laughs> and by the way, it was noted that one was sitting there without pants. No pants. Um, what was going on in that limo before the camera arrived? Uh. Now, we know Omega already goes both ways. But could you imagine if the Four Horsemen did a limo vignette back in the day and there were no women? I I mean, there would probably have been more women than men, whether it was in a jacuzzi, whether it was in a limo. Imagine Ric Flair cutting a promo or a vignette without women around him. Unbelievable. I didn't get that at all. And, And for the record, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with gay. So up next, we get the pinnacle and inner circle. They go back and forth. And look, this was good. There was some heated words here. I think Dax was the one who brought up Santana and Ortiz being fathers, saying they should hug their children. This is real good personal shit to build this blood and guts. I like the way this was done. The MJF and Jericho exchange. Everyone had a good part. Even, what's his name? Who am I? Sean, Sean Spears. Yeah, he's easily forgettable, right? 
he actually looked good coming off here as did everyone else i like this build but i'll ask this despite the great build why are we getting blood and guts now this feud technically is how long again this is a blow-off match we should be getting other matches before this i don't i don't understand look i'm curious what their plans are going forward that will tell a lot about this feud and how they go forward i just i don't get it i'm, I'm at a loss of words honestly it just but again, this, this segment was really good in how they built the, sh the the match. Which, of course, is not on pay-per-view. It's on regular TV this coming Wednesday. Now, I absolutely love this. And I talked about it on the Workshoot podcast. I love how they continue to put over QT Marshall's factory. You got to keep these guys strong. It was, it was well done the way they won their match last Wednesday. Anthony Agogo, Nick Camarado look like stars. Now, ugh, now, post-match. You knew it was a matter of time. Post-match, QT Marshall walks to the bus. And there he is. The door opens and it's Cody with his neck tattoo. They brawl all the way to the roof. Now, I'll tell you the most ridiculous part about it was, they're on the roof brawling. And guess who was up there? Ref Aubrey. What? <laughs> why, why is there a ref up on a roof of a bus trying to break up? Uh, it's just some of the things they do. Listen, they're improving in other areas, though. But this was... Uh, this bothered me. Now, I asked this. How long before Triple I mean, Cody beats Anthony Agogo and Camarado? I mean, perhaps, hey, perhaps he'll even beat them in a handicap match. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Cody wants to do, right? Look, obviously he's going to be QT Marshall. I get that. But you have to, for now, protect Ogogo and Camarado as much as you can. They just look so good. These guys look like somebody. That's the hard part about booking, though. I'm not going to tell you it isn't. It's hard to book. How, can, how long can you push guys when you want to push X amount of people? You have to eventually have people doing jobs but right now a gogo and camarada should be just killing all those guys on dark bring all those jobbers over to, to tnt and have i would even put camarada on a gogo in a tag match for now put them as a as a tag team and have them just destroy every tag team that's on dark and build them up slowly although we have to see what the bucks do because that's another problem going heel versus heel so we'll see what they do there and then we get an announcement Stating, I don't know what date it is. I don't think it's next week. It might be the week after. Pardon me on that. But John Moxley is going to defend his IWGP United States Championship against the legendary Yuji Nagata. And that has potential to be really good. Nagata still competes in New Japan consistently. I mean, he's been in this business 30 plus years. He's in good shape. I just hope that Moxley doesn't take it outside of the ring and do the stupid brawls that he loves to do. Nagata can still go in the ring. It doesn't need to be that long, but it can be a good match. On to the main event. And once again, Darby Allen is in it. This time defending the TNT title versus 10 of the Dark Order. Now, maybe I missed it. Perhaps it was explained. How is 10 of the Dark Order getting this shot? I don't know. 
I, I, I just don't understand it. If you're going to show me the wins and losses for Britt Baker, show me the top five for the TNT title. Show me the top five for Kenny Omega's title. Give me more than, here's 10. He's going to compete for this title tonight. Now, I apologize if I missed, because I don't listen to the entire show. Sometimes I'm doing something else. But yeah, that was that was bizarre to me. And of course, I imagine 10 has a lot of wins on Dark. But can we be realistic about that show? For those who watch it, I don't care about his wins on Dark. Until they get another show on a network television, whether it's TNT, TBS, True TV, whatever sister network they want to put this other show on that matters. Now, look, I, people go, oh, well, the YouTube show does X amount of what, blah, 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 blah. Most people don't care about it. I'm sorry. Most people don't give a shit about a YouTube show. Now, this match was decent. It was a decent match. It went back and forth. Darby sold like a champ. Darby Darby is really good at selling, no doubt about it. Although both guys technically in this match were babyface, as has been the case with a lot of Darby opponents, including Jungle Boy. Of course, uh, Sting got involved with the Dark Order, some stuff, blah, blah, blah. But then ultimately, Darby retained the title, as we knew he would. And now, there's, of course, post-match stuff, which is the case in a lot of AEW stuff. And here comes Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky to jump Darby Allen. And then out comes Archer to once again make the save. I'm just hoping this goes somewhere. I really do. Like, obviously, Page and Scorpio Sky are portraying themselves as the outcasts of the company, and they're just jumping on everybody whenever they can. And I hope there's an end to this storyline, and it just doesn't go away. Because while AEW has improved, I just hope they don't revert back to storylines just vanishing. Now, talking about the ratings, remember a couple weeks back, first night without a, uh, excuse me, NXT, they did a 1.2, week after 1.1, and this past Wednesday night, down to just under 900,000, uh, 900,000 viewers. To be fair, they were against the president speaking to the nation, Congress, whatever you want to call it. And so let's see again if that number comes back over a million next week. Whatever it is, listen, it's not a big jump or, or drop, rather. It's okay. And NXT also did take a dip, which we're going to talk about in a second. They lost 100,000 viewers after having their number go up considerably. So both shows, I just hope, look, there's got to be support from both f- fan factions. If AEW doesn't watch NXT, those fans, vice versa, then the ratings are going to drop. They're going to drop. Moving along to NXT. So, the first match, we get Dakota Kai against Mercedes Martinez. And I'm not going to go into the match. I'm going to just say what happened at the end. Raquel Gonzalez ambushed Mercedes Martinez. And this was a great job by NXT from this standpoint. I felt like you had to reestablish Raquel Gonzalez as a heel by attacking Mercedes Martinez. If, if you heard the show, I was really worried about Gonzalez after she won the women's title based on how she reacted, borderline face. And this was a huge plus in her character to get her back over as a heel. Now, I still don't know what the future holds for her and Dakota Kai right now. They seem to be supporting one another. But that storyline will blow up at some point. But again... Good job there with Raquel Gonzalez. 
All right, so for those who have not been watching or are sick of this Austin Theory situation, somehow he loses to Bronson Reed, then he asks for another match and loses again. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it as a fan. For those who heard the show back six months ago, I bought stock in Austin Theory and it's plummeted, okay? I've lost all my money on Austin Theory. So my question is, how does this storyline play out with him in the way? I'm thinking, because Bronson Reed's now going to get another title, opportunity, I hate when they say opportunity, shot. By the way, I think it was Vic Joseph who corrected himself on NXT Tuesday night. He said shot by accident, and then he's changed it quickly to opportunity. What do they, like, have Have a, a zapper on his balls? and <laughs> Opportunity! Opportunity! <laughs> Good. Oh, man. <laughs> So here's what I'm thinking. Okay, so Reed's going to get another title shot against Gargano. Perhaps some way, somehow, Austin Theory, whether on purpose or by accident, cost Gargano the title. So then eventually Gargano turns in him. Maybe Theory... Now, you could go two ways with this. Either Theory apologizes for what he did by accident, or Theory just smiles and walks off. Like he did it on purpose. So now you have the storyline building that Theory... And now he can cut this promo. Ready? I got this promo all laid out here for him. So this promo will elevate his career in my opinion. He can talk about being young in the business. Going so fast from NXT to the main roster. He can say the following. Perhaps I took it for granted. Perhaps I got complacent. Or perhaps I was just happy to be there. They sent me back to NXT. And you know what happened to me? I lost my confidence. Just like any athlete in any sport. I lost several matches and I doubted myself. I wasn't sure if this was for me anymore. So I went home. But only one man called me. And that was you, Johnny Gargano. You told me you believed in me and you had a plan for my career. And being a young guy in this business, I've always looked up to you. We even worked at the same place one time. Hell, I followed your career. So I joined the way... And everything was good again. But you know what didn't change? I still lost. But you had my back. You continue to have my back. Even though I lost each and every week. Until I challenged Bronson Reed again. What happened? For the first time you doubted me. You asked why would I do such a thing. You lost faith after me. After telling me the opposite. And when I lost to Bronson Reed again. You know what I did? The proverbial look in the mirror. You know what I saw, Johnny Gargano? I saw a man playing a lackey. Austin Theory is nobody's lackey. Johnny Gargano, I'm going to prove to you, to everyone, most importantly myself, I'm going to climb the ladder here at NXT. And I promise you one thing, Johnny Gargano. Like a legendary musician once said, I'm going to do it my way. That's a fucking promo. That's how you reestablish Austin Theory. And I hope something like this happens. Moving along in the show. I really want to applaud NXT for this. Because th- th- this is funny and it's rare. It's I don't think it's ever happened before. So Drake Maverick is backstage with Killian Dane and they're being interviewed. And Drake is clearly apprehensive about this tag team match. Because he knows that Dane has history with Imperium. And he actually says, 
We've seen this before. <laughs> How are you going to turn on me? I know you're going to turn on me. When is it going to happen? And I'm laughing. I love this. This was hilarious. He, he basically told Dane at some point in this match, I know you're going to turn on me. And this was brilliant. He even questioned like how he would turn on him. <laughs> then they walked to the ring together and Dane wanted him to walk ahead of him. And Maverick was like, no, 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 no. I'm not walking ahead of you. You go first. I was laughing at all this because it's true. Think about the history of this business. Like how do some guys don't sense that a turn is coming? I mean, look, some of them are really well done, but others are pretty obvious. Let's be fair. And I love that NXT in a way made fun of some of the guys in the past that have just been turned on and didn't see it coming. So they, they even did the part where Drake went to tag Dane and Dane wasn't there. Now, of course, Imperium pulled him off the off the apron. So Drake didn't know. And then, look, they did a lot of stuff in the end. Of course, Alexander Wolf came down and he wouldn't hit Dane with the chair. And there was a lot of odd stuff going on back and forth with Imperium. Eventually, Drake... Uh, lost, and guess what? Dane didn't turn on him for now. Now, I don't know if that will eventually happen, but as of this Wednesday or Tuesday, Dane and Drake are still a team. But that was funny to me. Look, a lot of hokey shit in wrestling that's not funny, but that was funny to me anyway. So, Adam Cole did, did this interview with the what Sports Illustrated guy, this whole fluff piece about what he's gonna do in the future and what he's going to do with O'Reilly and everything else. And he put everyone on notice talking about how he's carried this company. And it was okay. It was, uh, it was uh, the best part was that O'Reilly was watching it and that feud will continue. We'll see what happens with that. But it, it, this was nothing special. It was, it was good. Not great. And the main event, MSK and Kushida against Del Taco Fantasma. This was a really good match. A lot of fun. A lot of good spots. More importantly, they did the right finish. They did the right finish because they needed to get heat back on Escobar and his faction after losing the title. So they, they did a real good job building him back up. He needed to win a match, and they did it here in this six-man tag. Perfectly done. Now, I don't watch SmackDown that often, but I heard about Roman against Brian. Brian having his SmackDown career on the line, if you will. It wasn't a career match per se. But he's putting his career on SmackDown on the line. I, I don't know how much you can make sense of that. This match came on at 9.27 Eastern Standard Time. And I went, what? I was texting somebody like, this is going to go 33 minutes? Wow. And they did. They went 33. Great story told. Good selling by both guys. The the How they slow it down. Now, people hate sometimes when they talk about oh wwe style but when you watch other companies like AEW, and not every match i don't want to dump on them here but a lot of guys don't get how you have to slow it down for the facials and the selling instead of just going move to move to move and then nothing matters look i've learned a lot in this business as i go you know 15 20 years ago i used to love those spot fest matches uh, remember the days when tna would start off their wednesday night pay-per-views with a, with a six-man spot fest. There were no wrestling holds. It was high spot, high spot, high spot. I loved it. But now fast forward, 18 years later, I understand the business a little more. I understand what needs to be done to sell tickets, what makes people care, what casual fans are going to support this and make this a bigger deal than just having your X amount of diehards, if you will. And... 
what WWE does better than most of these other companies is in this match. It is a prime example of making everything matter. And going, look, the ending was perfect. The ending was so well done with Roman going over clean. Because as I've told you in the past, the only reason to protect somebody is if you're going to do a feud. But you didn't need to protect Brian here because he's done. He's leaving. So you beat him clean. Perfectly done. Now, there's a lot of rumors swirling around about Brian's contract in the company. Could he be leaving? There was speculation that his contract would be up this September. However, Brian did a recent interview stating that it's later than September, although he didn't specify when, but did mention about being a father, talking about his children, and the fact that he's going to be 40 soon. So we don't, let's not speculate about what he's going to do. Now, of course, as fans, we would love to see some of the dream matches we talk about, like with Samoa Joe, now that he's not in the company anymore. I mean, who wouldn't want to see Daniel Bryan against Okada, Daniel Bryan against Omega, Bryan against Zack Sabre Jr.? Although, he did face Zack Sabre Jr. a couple times when Jr. was relatively a junior in the business, if you will. (laughs) Um, But to face Zack Sabre Jr. now would be a different animal, be a phenomenal match. And of course... Who wouldn't want to see him against Jonathan Gresham or Will Ospreay? I mean, the, the, there's a laundry list of possibilities. And ultimately, this is his call. And just prepare to brace yourself for disappointment. He, there's a good chance WWE will offer him a good deal to stay, maybe be a part-time wrestler, part-time agent. But ultimately, whatever they offer him, he'll have security. He'll have security. He doesn't have to go. Now, again, I, some other companies may offer him some kind of good deal where he doesn't have to work that much. He can still be home with his kids. I mean, people have talked about that. If CM Punk came back, what kind of deal would he get? And I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what he wants to do. Now, before I go, I wanted to talk about... Actually, I actually have a couple more things. Pardon me. I want to talk about this uh, past Impact pay-per-view. It was Kenny Omega against Rich Swan, title for title. And the best part about this match was Mauro Ranello back calling wrestling. This was amazing. It was music to my ears, whatever you want to describe it. It was perfection. Mauro on the call, Matt Stryker there, D'Lo Brown didn't say much, so it was more Mauro just doing his thing. And it was, I loved it. Love Mauro. The match, however. <laughs> there, look, there, there's moments of, of botchamania in this match. There was a top rope spot where both guys are holding each other. And they just fell off, <laughs> crashed and burns. There was a couple timing issues. There was just, there, there, it, was, it wasn't a bad match, but it was too sloppy to say it was good. And then, of course, as the match continues, you get your typical mindless moveset that pins nobody. Here's what happened, ready? I counted during the course of the match. Or maybe I'm exaggerating with the second one. But we got five Snapdragons. I think I counted 15 V-Triggers, but I might be, I might be indulging there. And then Omega hits a J-Driller. And I went, okay. Now, Swan has pre-existing neck issues that they talked about in this match. Guess what? Swan kicked out! I went, what the fuck? How? (laughs) I can't believe what I see. It is so painful to see. Explain that to me. How does... I mean, look, I tweeted Don Callis about this. And it's just about how moves don't matter anymore. What, what what matters? This is like you, you just made Rich Swan John Cena. This was like 
Super Swan. That's what that was right there. Again, it's simple. If you're going to do those crazy moves, the sequences of all these V-triggers, Snapdragons, and a J-driller, Swan has to roll to the rope and get his foot on the rope. It's that simple. It is not hard. But he can't kick out of all that. You can't. It's fucking stupid. Oh my goodness. And then, of course, Omega hits the one winged and wins the match, as everyone speculated would happen. But does anyone care? That's the question. What does it do for impact? A lot of people are talking about that. Yeah, it makes Kenny Omega look great, but until we see the pay-per-view return on the buy rate and then impact ratings going forward, what does it really do for them? You just had your champion lose to another champion. What do you get out of it? And now going forward, how does Omega drop the title to somebody else? Will it be Rich Swan? I don't know who's in... I, I couldn't tell you Impact's top five. I did watch the entire pay-per-view. There was some good moments. I'm not going to say it was bad show. It wasn't. There was, there was a lot of good things, a lot of bright spots, a lot of guys that could be somebody. And we'll see how they build that going forward. But I have to dump on some other thing. I, I, I just, This was so sick. Uh, so Sammy Callahan is against Trey McGill in a last man standing match. The match was fine for a while. Going back and forth, brawling, good stuff. Good regular brawl. I have no problem with brawls. If, if, if it's a, a blow-off to a feud, that's fine. Last man standing. Sounds like the blow-off to a feud. Then there's these two spots. And I just went... Just like I reacted to the last thing I told you. They've set up a table in the ring. Sammy Callahan pile drives Trey Miguel through the table. The ref starts his count to 10. Miguel gets up at 9. And I went... I didn't overreact to that one. I went, I was angry. It pissed me off. But I was like, okay, let's see what they do now. A few more moves occur. They go to the outside. Callahan takes Miguel, pile drives him through the fucking stairs. Rolls him back into the ring. Ref counts. They get to nine. Miguel rolls over to the to the ropes and lands he he literally like falls out of the ring but lands on his feet and i just shook my head because that's how they now it was clever i'm not going to deny how they justified him getting up in versus him just standing up in the ring he fell out of the ring so therefore he was still on his feet but again you can't do two pile drivers one on the stairs one on off the top rope through a fucking table and, and he survived both these counts. And to make matters worse, Miguel beat Callahan. Callahan didn't get up to the count of 10. And I believe there was some kind of... I don't, did he give him a cutter through the table? I forget what it was. It was something through the table in which Callahan couldn't answer the 10 count versus taking two pile drivers. What the fuck? Just, <laughs> what am I watching? Wrestling 2021. Speaking of which, I've been getting a bit of a cleansing lately because you talk about modern wrestling and all the issues that it has. So I've been flipping around on YouTube having some fun and I was watching Mid-South Wrestling from 1985. It was some stadium show. I don't know where they were in Oklahoma. Maybe they were in where the Sooners play football. I, 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 didn't tell, I couldn't tell because there was no commentary and all you heard was the crowd. And the Fantastics. You remember the Fantastics? What a tag team. And the thing that struck me the most about this, and if you go back and listen to, like, if you're watching Mid-Atlantic or, excuse me, Jim Crockett Promotions, whichever one, 
even world class, Mid-South, even Florida. The one thing missing from wrestling today that you heard back then, when you get these guys out there that look like men and they're good tag team and uh, whatever, you want to call them good looking, fine, you can say that. The women go nuts for these people. You don't hear now again. We're in a pandemic still, crowd's gonna return, but even pre-pandemic. So I'm gonna call bullshit if you're gonna say, oh, what a, what, you know, there's not enough women that watch wrestling anymore. They don't give a shit. Go watch any of these matches from the 80s. When you hear these guys come to the ring, when you hear them do their spots in the match, the women lose their shit for these guys. That doesn't exist today. Then, then the best. Fantastics are being worked on. And they go for the tag. And the crowd went fucking nuts. It was a hot tag that you don't see today. They worked over, I think it was Bobby Fulton getting worked over. And he made the tag to Tommy Rogers. Pardon me if that's vice versa. But, and the, 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 I mean, there was no roof on the building. But the roof would have blown off the building if there was a roof. That's how loud the explosion went from the women. From the women. It was, it, 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 wow. It was fun. Fun to watch. And another thing about the crowd, genuine chance, like something simple, like let's go Bobby, let's go Tommy, or go Tommy, go, go Bobby, go. The fans just having or, or hating on the heels, but hating on them in, in a way that's not derogatory to them as a human being. It's just going against the heel versus today where you have these fucking smarks just in the crowd to get themselves over. Now, there's a huge difference between knowing the inside of the business and then going to the show and thinking you're one of the boys. It's insulting. I referenced earlier a Daniel Bryan match that I had seen against a young Zack Sabre Jr. You wouldn't even recognize him. I don't know where this was because it was on the WWE Network before that didn't exist anymore. And every 10 seconds, there's some fucking ridiculous chant. And some of them are like mean to the rest like not not as a heel but but just i i don't remember some of the chants because i'm uh, to be fair i'm probably guilty of those 15 20 years ago myself but now as you as you grow and learn about the business how could you chant some of these things these guys are there you're paying a ticket to see these guys and it's just disrespectful some of these chants and I'm, i'm really sick of smarks hijacking shows i'm sick of it it needs to end. It's, an, it's nauseating. Shut the fuck up and watch the match. You want to clap? You want to do regular chant? Don't shit on the match. I mean, there's occasions. You know, a Baron Corbin match, a Miz match. I, I get that. But <laughs> I'm not going to tell you not to shit on them. But, yeah, I mean, some people just go out of their way to think they're part of the show. Well, that wraps up another edition of Morton's Law. Again, please check me out on Twitter, Morton's underscore law, or on YouTube at Morton's Law Podcast. I'm considering a name change. I've been throwing stuff around. I don't know yet if I'm going to do that or not. I may put it on Twitter. Perhaps you can vote on that. Uh, Real quick before I go, don't forget to check out the the Valerie Lynch. I always have a hard time saying Valerie. The Valerie Lynn Show. There we go. I'm not going to edit that. Um, also, the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. By the way, Corey, that's your third plug today. Third plug. Yes, third. Jason Brooks. I'm going to have you on soon, sir. We're going to be able to talk without Corey. So this way we don't have to deal with his constant blowhard. All right, I'm, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice to Corey. I'm not going <laughs> to...
not gonna go off on Corey. But Jason, you're gonna be on soon. And of course, uh, don't forget the uh, the Box Seat Suck podcast with Tony Soprano and his people. And once again, thank you for listening to Morton's Law. I'll be back with another episode soon. Take care and God bless gay sex.